0: Welcome to the Christian Ashram podcast. I am your host, Matt Henson. Today, as we continue Season 1, Voices of the Christian Ashram, we will hear from Lillian Wallace, longtime missionary to India. Lillian will share about some of the history of women in mission in India, and then share her own story of calling and her work with Brother E. Stanley Jones. This interview was done in 2017 as part of a video I was envisioning, you will hear some additional voices in the background as several people were at Lillian's house at the time of the recording. I hope you enjoy. But just tell me a little bit about Ida Scudder and Clementine Butler. Yeah, in,
1: in 1956, Bishop, I mean, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Butler, Clementine, came to India to Barely. The whole mission program of the United Methodist Church started in Buraili. And the Butler's came and they came by the Pacific because they came up from Calcutta. On the way to Buraili, from Calcutta and it's a direct route. Mrs. Butler, they stayed in a hotel in Patna. And our hotel sometimes they have an upper a balcony. And the story is that when she woke up the next morning, she saw people in white lying on the bank of the river. Mm. And she asked, what are they doing there? And the answer she got, they're waiting to die. How is that? They're waiting to die because there were doctors in India. It wasn't that they didn't have hospitals and doctors, they did. The British were here, the army was here. But men would not let a man teach, touch the women. That feeling was so strong. And that father, Clement Thomas, from that butler, kept eating on her. Then they came to Brady. This is in 1956. 18, 19. In 1957, we had the mutiny. 1857. basically. I mean, 1857. They were living in Brady, and they and they came to Manitou, Because for their summer holiday. Then they came here. For the mutiny period. And when they went down, then they had started orphanages. The Methodist Church had a boys orphanage and a girls orphanage, Three, <laughs> And uh, then when the butlers went back to the States, Mrs. Butler had, had eaten on her, that you know, these people died. So she talked to the people in the northern part of Boston area. And she got five women, five or eight women, to agree, and they formed the Women's Foreign Missionary Society of the Methodist Church. And because this was Edie so but then they had to find a doctor. Then they must have scouted around. They finally found that, is a, that uh, Clara Swain was studying in the medical college in file, I don't know which one. When she graduated she agreed to come to India and Reverend uh, Soburn, who became a Bishop Sobern, his daughter was in the state and he was wanting her to come for education. So between brother or, and all, they they decided that these two women would come together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So they came. When they arrived, Isabella Thorne went to Braley, and Clara Swain came to us. And she had nothing except her education and her love for the Lord. But she had an orphan. An orphanage full of girls. And so she started a little hospital or training of these girls in the orphanage and three adult women. And then she started teaching them and preparing them. And one of the interesting stories was that when she was teaching anatomy and to the girls, and I told you about this, she said. (laughs) What's going to happen in Revelation when the flesh is in the United States and the bones are in India? So you can see they were not only getting medical education, they were also getting Christian education at the same time. And that's the beginning Mm -hmm. of Clara Swain Hospital in Braley. And if you really want to get the real story, you need to get uh, Dorothy Clark Wilson's book on the the Palace of Healing. Because this was the first woman doctor to come to the Orient. Mm. Then the second doctor who came, it's another story. She was Dr. Ida Scudder, who was the daughter of Dr. Scudder, a medical missionary, I don't know from what church, doesn't make any difference, in the south. And she was preparing to come back to the United States, go back to the United States for college. She had other ideas in mind, but she didn't want to go into medicine and she was getting ready to go. And then one evening, three different families came, the husbands came with their wives to be treated by her father. But when they found out it was only a man, they refused. And as the story goes, the next day, there were three funerals Mm -hmm. of these women. It changed her mind.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm. Lord changed her mind, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that was the impetus. Mm -hmm. Because she'd been around medicine, she'd been around everything. So then she went to the United States, got her training, and then came back and founded the medical college in the South. Now right now I'm getting a blank on the name of it, yes. CMC, CNC, Christian Medical it's, College. It's, it's, it's yes, you know. And so yes, that, and these two stories mm-hmm. were prompted by both people getting this insight that they needed doctors for women because of the ideas of the Indian people at that time, their wives could not be treated by other men. Now that was not only Muslim, it was anything. They just couldn't be it. So these people came to Br- in the... In the... The Paris Fine Hospital, Braley, was a woman's hospital till 1947. Mm-hmm. When it became a general hospital. And at that time we were getting patients from all over. Coming long
0: distances. So tell me about you coming to India.
1: I don't remember when it actually started, but I, I think it was I was influenced by my family. My mother, my father was, well I, I started a little bit ahead of that. My father went to Oklahoma to go to college after he had supported his younger brothers and sisters in college. And his, he took his sister also with him for college education, even though she was much younger. Mm-hmm. And my mother also went to Oklahoma City mm. for college. And they lived in the same boarding house. And one of the boy of the boarding house naturally lived there also. As it turned out, the boy at the boarding house married my Aunt Daisy. And my father proposed to my mother. <laughs> but my mother said, I will marry you only, she was, only if you will go with me to India. That was her hook. He said, okay, no problem. I'm preparing for the ministry, I don't care where I go, I'm going to serve the Lord. He had been on the horse trips as a younger boy, preaching the Gospel. So then it turned out that my aunt and uncle, Uncle Tuffy and Aunt Daisy, they came to India before my mother and father came. And they were sent to Mandi Pradesh, to the Aboriginals in Madhi Pradesh. And my folks like my, my dad went to Druce and And I don't think this had anything to do with it. But it happened I was born on the campus. And thirteen days after I was born, my father and mother both graduated. He as a bachelor's in divinity and my mother as a master's in physical in religious education then we went to california he went there as a minister and my mother got sick and as a result she could not pass the medical examination so they were refused to come but being in the ministry we three girls had the privilege of having so many people come into the home, missionaries on furlough, people of all castes and religions would come to the house. So we were exposed. I remember the Cotton Blossom Singers that used to come every year and we, oh, I loved it so much. So we were exposed to outsiders Mm -hmm. and to missions. Mm This might have had some background. But when I was eight years old and my aunt and uncle came back on furlough, I asked my Uncle Tuffy, I said, Uncle Tuffy, can I go to India and be a PE teacher? Because my priority was PE teacher, not missionary. He said, Lillian, by the time you're old enough, to be a PE teacher, I'm sure they'll want a missionary in India. Okay, it ended there, no problem. Then I went to, as a teenager, I went to, oh, I'll back up a minute. When I was eight years old also, we went to a big conference, Methodist conference in Oakland City. The people on the platform was Mira lesser. And East Stanley Jones, <laughs> <laughs> but Marian Lester, when she got up to speak, she said, "I want you to sing a special song of mine." Are ye able? Said the Master to be crucified in thee. And she made that appeal to the to the whole audience. And I was so surprised. Even as an eight-year-old, I was so surprised. There were hardly anybody singing. I would have guessed there might have not been more than 15, 20 people singing. That was my impression. Because she was saying you have to mean it. And to be crucified with him is a hard decision to make. I don't know, that, that must have had some kind of a impression. At least I remember it. Then when I was in NYF, I went to a conference in Oakland. And I must have talked about it or that came up somehow. But the pastor said, Lillian, the mission station in the United States today is the urban city of the United States. Because that was the the midst of our black prejudice. The tragedy that we were having. And so I believed it. So my direction got changed. and I was teaching in a school, it was brand new school. And it was one third white from the Midwest, coming during the drought in the Midwest, many people from Oklahoma and the Midwest states came in one car only. And that was everything they had. And they come to California. And we developed the same prejudice against them as we had against them. So then I thought, well, this is the place to be. But then the good part about all of this time, we were three girls and we had three brothers, all Indians that my folks were supporting from their hostel. Mm -hmm. But still that way it ended. I was teaching at that time because I wanted to go to that school and it was, Then on my 21st birthday, my folks wanted to make a trip to Drew, where they had graduated. So I said, okay, I'll drive you. So daddy and I were driving to New Jersey from California. All the way we stopped in in, uh, Arizona, where my grandfather and grandmother were. They were Missionary Alliance members. And so they asked my dad, will you preach the, the sermon? He said, no. The youngest pastor in my, in our family will preach. That happened to be my cousin, who was born in India.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so he was preaching. And during that song, they sang, take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. And I started feeling something. Here I had all my dad's relatives all lined up in the hole. And I kept holding onto the back of the fish. I'm not going forward, I've never done that. I'd gone forward once when I was 16 at the church where my dad was preaching, but uh, then it got to the last verse. So I said, excuse me, and I went to the altar. <coughs> and the pastor in the church came forward and said, why have you come? I said to go to missionary service. Mm. At that time, I didn't have any conclusions on where. But my aunt came up, my aunt, my mother came up afterwards and my aunt said, Lillian, I hope you go to India. Mm. Because she was there. <laughs> and that was understood. <coughs> After I got back, after I got back to California, I applied for the mission field. And when I applied, I said, "I will go anywhere."
2: <coughs>
1: Finished all of the the business that I had to before I was accepted. I. Uh, I got a letter from the Border Missions, and I was teaching at this same school, and my roommate was teaching at another school, she was also a physical education teacher. She was reading over my shoulder, and I'm a slow learner, and she said, you're going to India. I said, how do you know? She says it's in the last paragraph. <laughs> So I found out from the last paragraph of the Board of Missions that I was coming to India.
2: Mm -hmm. What year? What was the
0: year?
1: That was in 1952. Then I went to missionary training, went to missionary education. We had classes in Connecticut. And I trained with some people coming to India, other women coming to India. So in 1956, I was commissioned as a missionary of the Methodist Church. And uh, when I applied to come, the, board, the medical board would not allow me to come. You have to have an operation. They had a, nodule on the thyroid I went to the doctor who had examined me why did they put me on the list they should take me off you don't have to have it but I had to have it so I went to the surgeon he says you don't have to have it he says but what they don't want you to go to a foreign field Mm -hmm. and then have to have an operation So I had the operation. I was delayed six months from the others that came on. But uh, when I went to the, my mother went with me to, I was in California. Ukiah was close to San Francisco. So uh, I went by train, my mother went with me, I had, 28 boxes. <laughs> but those boxes were all put on a ship in San Francisco and I had to go to San to Sacramento to catch up with them. So when I we, when we got there and ultimately I was, had to go, we went to Spokane and I caught a ship. It was a Dutch ship, a freighter. And um, when my mother was at the pier and she said goodbye, she handed me an envelope. She said, open it after you go to sea. Hmm? I opened it. I had 33 letters, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one for each day of my trip, written by my mother. Of course, she what she was doing was sharing. Mm-hmm. I was um, an answer to her prayer, mm-hmm. and I think that you see all this put together, uh, God planned for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really why I'm still
0: here. <laughs> Since 2015, the United Christian Ashram International Ministry has invited people to join us in India for the winter session of the Sattal Christian Ashram. In the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, we are looking intently at the India trip for the fall of 2020. Please join with us as we seek the Holy Spirit's guidance about this trip. We will make an announcement about this trip by the end of April.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: But
1: anyway, we got to the ship and uh, I was traveling with Bishop and Mrs. Rocky. Rocky Bishop yes. Rocky was the uh-huh. son of a missionary uh-huh. who had followed, who, who had been here. Then he was at the Bishop of Lucknow, uh-huh. the son who had come back as a missionary. A wonderful couple, uh-huh. one thing on the ship I used to get uh, get ship sick. One minute your sky, one minute your sea. Uh So I spent most of my time in the hold, so I didn't have to see the water. But we had a wonderful time. And uh, so when I got to to Madras, they took me to, I wanted to visit my friend that I was in missionary training school with, who was a doctor in South India, she comes six months ahead. So I went to see her. So then after I saw her I went by air to to Mm -hmm. Calcutta to check in, where I had to clear my 28 boxes, because I brought everything I owned except for three cardboard boxes. With some school stuff in it, my dad had helped me pack. But <clears throat> going from the airport to the to Calcutta with all my stuff, it was a wonderful experience, and I loved India. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I loved India before I, I even got to do anything, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Then I was trying to clear my luggage and I went upstairs to a person to use the phone. And uh, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm clearing my luggage. And he said, "Uh, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm coming to be a missionary at Isabella Thauber College. And he said, my daughter goes there. She's a student there. Oh, I'll have to tell her. He sent somebody down. And they cleared my luggage, all 28 boxes. And I only had to pay $62, $30 for some medicine and 62 for my typewriter. Mm-hmm. So that was a very nice entrance into India. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I went to Isabella Sovereign College the first college for women by the Methodist Church, first college for women in, in India. In Asia. Wow. Oh, yes. I was ultimately, I ultimately ended a book. See, Eileen was a nurse, and Brother Stanley had come here. In fact, when he came for the first time, after his stroke, this is, he started to take steps. But he really started to walk on the veranda of the house in Ocho. Brother, brother, I mean Bishop Matthews and his daughter Anne and Bishop Downs was there, and they put a six by six board across the veranda because when he lifted his foot, it would go to the left and fall down. He could take another step. He got so he could lift his leg, but automatically it would lift. So I took another step. So we used to go up. I used to go behind the him with the wheelchair that's still there in case he fell. At one time, I got in at the other end, and he sat in my lap. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, Brother Stanley, he had such a wonderful, uh, a wonderful, uh, oh, I don't know, he could take any joke. And uh, so that's where he started to walk. And he was also writing his book notes on his book, Mary Webster, and she was translating for him, and she had translated, and he made a correction in what she had written, because she said this was exaggerating. She didn't tell him it was exaggerating, but she knew it was, because she'd been with him in Japan. (laughs) And so she, Cut it out, and then when Brother Stanley went to the World Conference, but before he did, she, he, somebody else read to him, and he put it back in. <laughs> so when she read the book, she said, "It has to stay," <laughs> because he had such a good memory that he could remember this. So then at the uh, at the final function, I mean at his, at his uh, introduction for the of the World Auction awesome Congress, he was standing on the stage and you know men have these, some men have these straps for the belt in the back. So I had my fingers in the strap to make sure that he did the model, but he gave a wonderful speech. But only those of us who had heard him many times could really understand Mm -hmm. because of the cheek over the back. Eileen was there as a nurse. And I'll back up a minute. One time before the team, the big 300-member team had come, he told us, you girls go out. Because we were taking care of you, go out and see the city. Because there's a friend of mine. He was a person he had paid for to go to dental school, and he had come to see him. He said he'll take me care of me. You go out. You and Mr. Oh, uh, oh, oh. The pastor was there also, so we went out and did some sightseeing. When we came back, I, I, mean, I went into the room, my room and she went into the, his room next door. And she said, Lillian. And I went there. He was on the floor with the wheelchair up over his head, body head. <laughs> just as pleasant, just as happy as ever. in <laughs> I'm and gonna and they moved around and he, he got so it. Right. But this is a bottle and tie to the
2: leg. He he does But the chair must
1: <laughs> have slipped and he went down. <laughs> he he, he, he was, <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> he was a different place chap. And then this one morning <laughs> I took one of Eileen's hairpins and I cut it off about a half an inch from one side, half an inch from the bottom, and put tape around it. And then I bent the other end and made a ring. And then I put a rubber band in it. And I put it over his mouth and over his ear. It pulled the cheek back and he could talk like he always did.
2: Like
1: he always did. He he should have sh- he, he should have applied his his uh, jovial spirit and kept it.
2: <laughs>
1: but we went for breakfast, and some people came up behind him, said, "Brother Stanley, how are you with this and all that?" Afterwards, he took it out. Oh, he told them, "Look what these girls have done to me! They put a bit in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and he took it out. Uh, I never used it. Oh. I don't know why,
2: mm.
1: but that's who it was. Then he came back, he came back to India. he didn't go to the States. This was his home. And uh, he came back to Clarice Lane Hospital.
2: Mm.
1: And, and he here. had a room there, and he used to do his exercising. He got so he could walk to the, to the hospital with a walker.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he used to preach without the bit. bit. And, oh, uh, well, he was a wonderful chap.
2: Mm-hmm. It's wonderful.